always say there are, there are many people who wish they had the opportunity to be assembled together. And so many times we actually take it for granted. We take it for granted that we're going to have the health to be able to come out here to the house of worship. But there are plenty of hospital beds that are filled right now that uh, people wish they were here. So I, I, I do count it a blessing. And I thank God that you are here today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, guys, let's go back to the book of Numbers, the 16th chapter. And we're going to pick back up at verse number 41. Numbers, the 16th chapter, verse number 41. And we've been dealing with this subject and asking ourselves the question. And I'm going to ask you to ask your neighbor one time. Do you have an attitude? Look at him deeply and I say, do you have an attitude? All right, all right. Glory to God. Number 16. And we've been, again, pulling from uh, the children of Israel's experience uh, when they were delivered out of bondage in Egypt and on their way to the promised land. And through that process, God said he allowed these things to be written so that we could learn from them. He allowed these things to be written for our admonition and for our instruction. So if God allowed these things to be written about his chosen people so that we could learn from it, so we could direct our lives by it, then you, be, you, better, you best bet your bottom dollar that we ought to be trying to learn something from them. Amen? Amen. And what we discover is that, that God's chosen people, even though he had delivered them from bondage in Egypt, they still had some Egypt still on the inside of them. Even though they were free physically, but mentally they were still bound in so many ways. And I got news for you today, child of God, that, that many times that God will deliver us physically from a place, but the residue of that place of bondage still affects us if we allow it to. Can I get a witness? So uh, Numbers, the 16th chapter, and, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 41 from the NLT says, but the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began muttering again against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the Lord's people. Now, if we, if we, if we start right here, those of you last week will know and understand that, that they had challenged Moses and Aaron's authority because at this stage in this story, we have this generation that God said, because of your unbelief, because of your murmuring and your complaining, because of your lack of faith, you will not enter the land of promise. You're going to go and wander in the wilderness. And so they, they began to blame Moses and Aaron because of their disobedience. They were suffering, amen, the penalty of God's judgment because they failed to take God at his word. So when we, in the first part of the chapter, they started to blame Moses and Aaron, started to blame their leadership. And what we discovered was is that, that the, that, uh, this, this group that rebelled wanted to be in, in Moses and Aaron's place. But how many of you know that when God has a place for a certain people, he was ordained to do a certain thing, don't you try to go in there and take them, take them out? Are you with me today? So we discovered that, uh, uh, that that group that rebelled along with that 250 prominent people, 250 prominent leaders from the nation of Israel, they, they died, amen, uh, on the spot. Remember the, the earth opened up and a whole group that, that, that did not fail to, to move away from them? The earth opened up and they swallowed them alive. Can I get a witness? And those guys who, who held the censors, they died, amen, with Holy Ghost fire. I mean, the fire of God's judgment came upon them. So we saw that happen. Now, again, if I had saw the earth open up 
and swallow a bunch of rebellious people. If I had saw fire from heaven come down and just burn some people up, the very next, next day you can bet your bottom. Now, I don't think I would be rebellious the next day. Come on now. If, if, hey, listen, if, if right now God's judgment came and just zapped this whole side of the church, just burn them up in their, in their seats, you're sitting over there, you mean to tell me you would rebel when you just saw that? I think you'd be able to say, I got to get right. I got to get right. But here's what happened. Look at what the text says. Can we read? It says what? As the community gathered to start in verse 41 again. Start, go back to 41. It says, but the very next morning, after all this judgment came, because again, don't tell me when you, when, when, if God moves and he does something, that, that means it's going to change your heart. See, the heart of man has to be changed by yielding his will to God. You can see God deal with somebody else and think that it ain't going to happen to me. You can see this dude over here ruin his family, lose his career, but you think that it ain't going to happen to me. Are y'all listening to me today? The text says, but the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began muttering against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. Now listen, listen to that now. Moses and Aaron, y'all, it's y'all's fault. Because God's judgment came upon his people. He says, you killed, they said, they said, you killed the Lord's people. Verse 42, let's read. As the community gathered to protest Moses against Moses and Aaron, they turned toward the tabernacle and saw that the cloud that covered it and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared. Verse 43, let's read together. Come on, so Moses and Aaron came and stood in front of the tabernacle. Now, watch this. And the Lord said to Moses, watch this. See, God ain't playing now. God has about had enough of his people and their rebellious attitude. Your attitude matters to God, whether you realize or not. He's looking at how you approach life. God had about had enough. Look at what God says. Get away from all these people so that I can instantly destroy them. They just saw God deal with the rebellious neighbors. And now they're still coming against God's people. Get away from all these people so that I can instantly destroy them. But Moses and Aaron fell down, fell face down on the ground. I can, uh, listen, I admire Moses and Aaron because I know some of y'all here who, who, who would be leading this group and, and saw how rebellious they were. And you say, kill them, Lord. Because some of y'all say, I'm tired of dealing with them. You know, our people can be something. Take them out, God. But most of ever fell down facing on the ground. See, true spiritual leaders, amen, will go to God on your behalf. And as your pastor, listen, I don't, I don't care if you've been talking about me, you've been, you've been eating me for dinner, I'm still going to go to God on your behalf. And listen, when you're suffering, I, I'm not going to say kill him, God. I'm going to say, Lord, have mercy on him. That's what Moses and Aaron did. Watch what happens here, guys. So God's judgment was immediate because this is the very next day. This ain't two, two years later. This is not one month later. The very next day, after having seen God's judgment come upon the people for their rebellion, their rebellious attitude, here's what happened. And Moses said to Aaron, quick, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. Uh, lay incense on it and carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. The Lord's anger is blazing against them. The plague has already begun. See, people start dying immediately. Next verse. Let's read. Aaron did as Moses told him and ran out among the people. The plague had already begun to strike down the people, but Aaron burned the incense and purified the people. 
text says this, he stood between the dead and the living. You need somebody to be standing between you. Can I get half of witness up here? Some of y'all know right now, you better thank God that mama stood for you while you were still dead in your trespasses and sin. While you were still doing your thing, you had somebody praying for you. Stood between the dead and the living and the plague stopped. See, here it is. God's judgment came, but when God's man, when God's appointed leader, amen, said, let's get before God. Let's offer sacrifice so we can stop God's judgment. It immediately ceased. Next verse. Let's read it right quick. It says, but, but 14,700 people died in that plague. Before, before, before he could get the sisters, when Moses and Aaron figured out what was happening, God's judgment, by the time they got the sisters and got in the middle of them, 14,700 died. In addition to those who had died in the affair involving, involving Korah. Okay, now watch this. So, so look at you out loud. We said, we said on last week that uh, an attitude, attitudes are patterns of thinking that's formed over a long period of time. And we, said, we talked about a rebellious attitude. When we define rebellion, we said, in a nutshell, rebellion, listen guys, is knowing what God wants me to do and refusing to do it. Can we read that together? Rebellion is what? Knowing what God wants me to do and refusing to do it. After having had the word of, God, word of God properly preached and talked to you and explained to you, and you know what your responsibility is relative to what the word of God says, you know it. It's no, it's, there's no confusion. There's no, there's no uh, uh, I'm working it out. I'm trying to get, get a concept of what it is. Rebellion is knowing what God's word says and refusing to do it. Rebellion against proper authority reveals a deeper rejection of God's authority. And that's what was happening with the children of Israel. They were rejecting Moses and Aaron's authority. And so by de facto, they were rejecting God's authority. Amen? And that brings some devastating consequences. So so let's, 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 let's look at this second conf- confrontation here, and then we're going to move on into what kind of attitude we should have. Because rebellious attitudes, uh, as you see, can be very detrimental to your spiritual and your physical well-being. Rebellion can cause a lot of stuff to happen in your life that you really don't want to happen. Can I get a witness? So so we talked about that on last week. So uh, when you look at this thing, the, the deaths of over 250 people should have, again, brought some reverential awe, but it didn't. Instead of falling down on their knees and, and following the leading of Moses and Aaron, they begin to, the whole group of them begin to reject God's, authoritative structure that he had set up, amen, to lead them. See, one, one thing about this thing you got to realize is that carnally minded people can't perceive the spiritual meaning of what God does because they lack spiritual discernment. Go to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter with me right quick. 1 Corinthians chapter number two, and because sometimes we sit in church and we think, how could they possibly think that way? How could that person who say they're born again and may have had a personal uh, encounter with Jesus, how could they possibly do such a thing? Well, I can tell you, there, there are a lot of times you have people who are carnal-minded in the church. A carnal-minded person is a worldly or a fleshy-minded person. A person who may have made a decision for Christ, but have not grown in their walk with the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and uh, 
the text says here in verse number, let's start in verse, um, verse number one, if you will. First Corinthians chapter number two, verse number one. Are y'all still with me? The text says is when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. This is Paul talking. He says, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Text says what? I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. He says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Paul didn't use a lot of fancy words. Paul just, Paul was one of those kind of, uh, kind of, kind of one of those in your face kinds of preachers. He didn't try to dress it up. You know, he, 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 he just spoke the truth. Amen. He was not as he was not as eloquent in his speech as Apollos was. He didn't rhyme it and dime it. He didn't hoop it and boop it. If there is such a term. He just broke open the word of God. He says, my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather, rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Text says, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Do you not realize that there are some people who are involved in churches and uh, involved in their spiritual walk where they trust the intellect and the charisma of the speaker? And as long as they got that charismatic speaker, they'll come to church and listen to a, a good speech. But Paul says, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want you to trust in human wisdom. I want you to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Can I get two witnesses up in here? See, don't, don't, don't get so enamored with the gift that you forget about the gift giver. Don't get so enamored with the, the charisma of the one who's bringing the word and forget about the word that's coming from the one who's speaking it. Paul says, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in what? In the power of God. Verse number six, let's go. Let's go. It says, yet when I'm among mature believers, yet when I'm among Mature believers, I do speak words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon what? Forgotten. Every good preacher, every good leader, at some point in time, people are going to forget about you. Are y'all with me? He says, who are soon forgotten? Watch what verse 7 says. Come on, let's read. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Watch what it says, verse 8, let's go. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Well, Paul is saying here, now listen, God is a wise God, and I speak words of wisdom. He says, now, now had the rulers of this world understood the wisdom of God, they never would have crucified Christ. Why wouldn't they have done that? Because had they understood how God was working his plan out, had they understood by Jesus going to the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood, amen, on Golgotha's hill, being bar- buried in a borrowed tomb, and rising early the first day of the week, had they known by him doing that and you receiving that, you'd be sitting here saved today, they never would have did it. Never would have did it because now you and I are saved because of the sacrificial death of Christ Jesus out on the cross of Calvary. See, uh, cross of Calvary, that's God's divine wisdom at work. See, when you're carnally minded, you don't understand those things. Look at the next verse. I, I got to get, get out here. Just, 
Uh, says, that is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Next verse, let's go. It says what? But it was, but, but it was to us that God revealed these things. How? By his spirit. Okay? See, intellectual uh, uh, attainment is not how you understand the things of God. Now, it's good to have intellect. It's good to, to have education. But there are certain things that you can't get from God without the Holy Spirit revealing them to you. But it, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit does what? Searches out everything and shows us what? His spirit searches out everything and shows us what? God's what? Deep secrets. How many of y'all want to know God's deep secrets? I want to know God's deep secrets. And so when we look at this thing, it's it's amazing to me that this group, amen, saw what had happened, but they failed to understand that by coming against God's generals, by coming against God's leader, Moses, everybody trying to take their place, by, by, by going against God's ordained authority, they were going to face God's judgment. Guys, we got to grow. We got to grow in our faith. We got to allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfecting work in us. And guys, when Jude, uh, go to Jude uh, 11 with me right there. It's only one chapter in Jude. When Jude wrote to warn the early church about false teachers, he used Korah and his rebellion. You remember last week we talked about Korah, right? He was the one that was leading the rebellion. He used Korah as an example, associating him with Cain and Balaam. Here's Jude in the New Testament going back and using Korah's rebellion, amen, as an as a example of how we should not do things in our Christian walk. Look at what the text says. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain. Talking about rebellious people who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceived people for money. And like Korah, our story on last week, they perished in their rebellion. Guys, it's important for us to understand that, that, that sorrow awaits us when we walk with an attitude of rebellion. Amen? Uh, sorrow awaits us when we fail to follow God's uh, command. Go to Acts, the 20 chapter right quick. I'm just laying the foundation because we gotta, we got to roll. So many times we'll sit in church and people are in quiet rebellion. The average saint doesn't rebel in the way that Korah did in come against leadership, the average saint that's sitting here will hear a message. And again, what do we say rebellion was? Knowing what God's word says, but refusing to do it. Now, I got to ask you a question. And I told you on last week, all of us have some level of rebellion in our heart. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how Holy Ghost filled you are. You may speak in other tongues, but every one of us in here has some level of rebellion in our hearts. Because what a rebellion. When I know what God's word says and I don't do it. Now I gotta ask you a question. How many times have you came to church or read your Bible and you ran across something that God's word told you to do, but you didn't do it? Or you ran across something that God's word said don't do, but you ran swiftly and did it? Everybody said that's rebellion. Say it again, say that's rebellion. Go to Acts 20 with me right quick. Acts 20, uh, uh, verse number 28 right quick. In his farewell message to the Ephesian elders, Paul warned about 
proud people who would look to seize authority in the local church and try to promote themselves. That's what was happening, amen, during this, uh, the Numbers of 16 chapter. They said, uh, Moses, y'all the only one that God speak to? Uh, you know, how come we can't be in that position? Well, God had already ordained that the Levites were the bigger ones, amen, who were in the priesthood, right? And so they were not going to, they were not going to do away with God's order because God was not going to allow that. Look at what the text says here. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. Watch this. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group would rise up. Watch this. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to do what? To draw a following. Guys, this is happening in the church today. It's been happening, uh, amen, in, it, it, it's been happening for years, amen. People are trying to draw people toward themselves. Look at the next verse, let's read. It says what? Watch out, remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears uh, for you. Look at the next verse, let's read it. It says what? And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Now, what Paul was doing, he was warning them. They said, listen, when I leave, there are going to be wolves that are going to come in and try to disrupt. He's warning them about the future, guys. Paul brought his farewell message to a close by warning the leaders of the dangers they had to recognize and deal with if they were going to protect and lead the church. Guys, the church is very important to God. The church is the one institution that God chose to utilize to transform this world. The church is the institution that God uses to advance kingdom principles. The church is important to God. It's important to the son because the son shed his blood for the church. It's important to the Holy Spirit because he is calling and equipping people to minister to the church. It's a serious thing to be a spiritual leader in the church of the living God, because what's happening is the enemy is trying to take spiritual leadership out. And that's what was happening in Moses and Aaron's day. Can I get a witness? So, 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 so it's, it's not always just outside. Actually, guys, if you really want to be honest about it, I think that the, the, the greatest challenge for the church today is coming from inside. It's coming from a lack of, 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 of spiritual integrity and scriptural soundness coming from within the church. Because what Paul says here, uh, when you look at it, he talked about the, 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 the dangers that are around us, wolves coming in from outside, but he also talks about dangers among us, people inside the church coming up trying to take and seize authority. And Paul says you got to watch out for that, amen? Because when that happens, guys, it, it actually takes us away, amen, from God's ordained order. Like, let, let's get back, if you will, and I want to, I want to, I want to flip over. Let's move, move ahead just a little bit, uh, and let's go to uh, 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 this part on, on the submissive attitude because we got to replace that attitude of rebellion with the attitude of submission. Now, there, there are all walks of life we discovered where where we have to respect God's authority. I shared with you on last week. It's very important, to even many times in our work environments, because we disagree with what somebody is saying or doing. Uh, we have to be careful that we don't get outside of God's established authority. God established government authority, right? He, he established authority in the home, 
And when we get outside of God's established authority, it puts us in a position where God's judgment will come against us. Okay. All right. So let's look at, if you will, let's go uh, to first uh, Peter chapter number two. So rebellion, it exists in every one of our hearts. I told you on last week that rebellion has many sources, right? Jealousy causes rebellion. Delusional attitude causes rebellion. Ungratefulness causes rebellion. Uh, stubbornness, disappointment causes rebellion. And so those different sources that cause rebellion to rise up on the inside of us, we got to be very careful that we don't find ourselves, amen, going against God's established authority. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. And, and let's, let's take a look at verse number 13. We'll begin our reading there because we don't want to be like Korah and his group. And we certainly don't want to be like the second group who saw what happened to the first group, but yet and still they rebelled. See, rebellion is a very serious thing, guys. And you can come to church. I told you before, you can come to church and think you'll be all right with God, but be walking around with an attitude of rebellion. See, whenever you, question, not question, statement. Whenever you decide to connect with a church and to become a member of a church, do you not realize what you're saying is that I'm going to submit myself to the, to the authority of that church that I submit myself to? Do y'all realize that? And also with that, you say that I'm going to come under that spiritual covering such that the things that my church, amen, is, is asking and, and, and directing me to do, then, then when I step outside of that and refuse to do what my church is asking me to do, then I'm actually rejecting God's established authority. In the home, when a husband and a wife come together in holy matrimony, Scripture says that, that, that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the now, you know, if, I, if, if somebody, somebody's going to hear this over the radio and they're going to get mad that I said that the husband is the head, what do you mean? We're equal. Yes, you are equal, but when it relates to responsibility, God has a divine order. I can't tell you the number of marriages that have been torn up and been totally disintegrated because, amen, the, 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 the idea of submission to the authority that God has set in that home has been violated. Has been violated. Has been ignored. And you think you are okay. The husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. In like fashion, in the same fashion, that the way Christ leads the church, and he leads it in love, guys. Christ loves us so much that he did what? He gave himself for us. So any, any, any man who's walking in his God-ordained authority ought to be loving his wife so much so that he given himself for her. It changes the concept a little bit, doesn't it? He says, husbands, as the head of the wife, even as Christ is what? The head of the church. Gave himself for it. Sacrificed for it, okay? So when we don't, when we don't understand that, then we have turmoil in our marital relationship because uh, we, we fail to, uh, to, to, to acknowledge God's ordained authority. So when you do that, that's rebellion. 
How many of y'all got bossy wives? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no husband ain't going to raise his hand here. No husband say, Pastor, you ain't going to get me in trouble. I got to go home and live. But the fact of the matter is, guys, is that, that, that many times the order of the structure gets disrupted. Can we talk? I mean, can we talk? Can we really talk? See, when you learn how to do it God's way and follow God's plan, it makes for a, 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 an order in that home that, that causes God's will to be, to, be, to be evident and transparent for everybody to see. But when order is disrupted, now again, what we got to understand is it's, 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 it's a tag team effort, but ultimately there is leadership that's involved because God's going to hold somebody accountable. And everything that I read in Scripture says that God's going to hold uh, the husband accountable for the progress of the family. Okay? God gave us a helper that's suitable for us. Amen? And, and so it's needful that we have that wife to support us. But ultimately, if the wife decides that I am not going to follow the leadership of the husband, then we have a problem. Now we assume that the husband is leading the right way. As a matter of fact, even he, none of us are all the way where we need to be anyhow. But that don't mean that you that you just up chuck it and, and, and throw it out the window because he's not where he needs to be. You don't do that on your job, do you? How many of y'all report to a supervisor or a manager or owner where you say, well, you know, they 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 kind of not doing it the way it ought to be done. Any of y'all have been there before? Oh, don't look at me like that. How many of y'all have places of employment where you 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 think that that person who's over you is not is not the best manager in the world? I need some I need some witnesses. Okay? So how many of y'all just leave just like that? And I, now again, understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying there're not times in a place of employment where you decide this is not the best place for me and I'm going to fight, I'm going to figure out how to get to where I need to get to. Okay, that's, that's cool. I mean, I, I know that I understand it and that, I'm not saying that's not, that's not right. I, the point I'm trying to make is, is that, that many times we'll continue to, to be engaged and involved, all right, in that place because, even though we may not necessarily agree with everything that that, that manager says, do, right? But now, when it comes to our husbands, I don't know why I'm on this, I, and, and I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to get off of it, but it seems like it just keeps coming up in the spirit. And so we're talking about rebellious attitude, right? Because see, sometimes we think we're not thinking we're rebellious, but we actually are rebellious because we won't even honor the authority that God is setting home. They didn't honor Moses and Aaron. That's why judgment failed. They came against them, saying, "You're not the only one that God speaks to." Hello. And so they, they face God's judgment. So when we get back, uh, what did I tell y'all go? Let's get back. Come on. First Peter 2. Get to 13 with me right quick. See, we got we to make sure that we get God's order down. When we reject God's established authority, it's like rejecting God. That's why it's so serious. Okay? Y'all with me? Look at what 13 says. Right. For the Lord's sake, respect what? All human authority, whether the king as head of state, or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. I mean, when you got when you got good government, this is what should happen. I understand that there are times where across this globe you got wicked government. 
But the establishment of government was given by God. All right, watch this. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Watch this. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Now, we don't have a king. We have a president. Right? Let me say it again. We don't have a king. We have a president. Although some presidents want to be king, we don't have a king. So let's, let's bring this up, transfer to modern day technology. In America, we have a president, okay? So, so he says, he says, you who are slaves must accept the authority of your master with all respect. Now again, this is dealing with this time during this indentured servitude, but let's, let's translate that to modern day terms for us today. We don't have slavery in America. Thank God for that. Thank God for deliverance, right? All right. But we do have employers. And so, and we have employees. He says, you who, let, let's talk to you who are employees must accept the authority of your employers with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they, if they, if they ain't right. I didn't make that up. It's right there. Even if they're cruel. If you're going to be there, while you're there, if you're going to honor God, you got to do what they ask you to do. Look at the next verse. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Why does God put this in here? I don't know. He says, back up, back up, back up. Watch, watch what he says. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Guys, let me ask you something. Think, think about Dr. Martin Luther King. Of course, in February, each month, we, uh, we observe Black History Month. But think about Dr. King. How many, how many of y'all know that there were people who didn't like Dr. King's methods? I mean, I mean... I'm talking about black folk who didn't like Dr. King's method of attacking uh, these Jim Crow laws and these un- unfair stuff that was happening in America. They, they said, no, 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 we need to kill somebody. But Dr. King says, we're going to kill him with love. I mean, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. There, he, he faced opposition because he chose, amen, to do it God's way. Hello? Even in the face of unfair treatment, even in the face of being spied on, even in, 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 in being, being thrown in jail unjustly, but he chose to do it through love. And obviously, as, as a result of that, he broke down a lot of these barriers that have been erected, amen, to keep people in bondage, amen, to keep people uh, 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 in a state of, uh, of disrepair. And so he chose to do it God's way. Watch this, watch this. He says, for God is pleased with you when, you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Next verse, let's read. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. What he said is, now, now if, 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 if you're suffering because you did something wrong, you don't get no credit for that. All right. You stole money and got fired, and then we'll talk about the devil is busy. No, it ain't the devil, baby. You never show up for work on time. Huh? 
always late, didn't complete your assignments, and talking about evil is present on every hand. No, evil is in present in you. Because as a child of God, you have a responsibility to do what you are being assigned to do if you're getting paid for that. Now, I know this don't sit well with some of you guys, but I'm telling you what the word of God says. It says, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're, if you're, if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Verse number 21, let's read. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Watch this. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So I'm not saying that you may not be in a situation where you may be treated unfairly. But when you learn how to say, I'm going to stay with God, I'm going to do it God's way while I'm here, then God will bless you either to change the situation where you are or move you someplace else. Because wherever you are, we have an obligation to follow the, the authority that's been set in that place because when we do that, we honor God. It's, 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 we can't honor God by disrespecting the authority in the place that we are in. It would be better for you to leave that place where you can go someplace where you can submit to authority than to stay there and not follow the authority. Because God established authority. Watch for the text here. Can we keep moving? Look at verse number 22. Let's read. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Verse 23. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fail. Man, it is so tempting to come back at folks when they come at you. Am I not? Am I not? Am I the only one? It is so tempting to let them have it. It's so tempting to blast them. Right? All right, let's see some hands raised. How many of y'all want to tell somebody something? How many of y'all want to do something to somebody? Yeah, yeah. Everybody says praying time. See, see, but God says, listen, back up to verse 23. Watch what it says here. It says, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, talking about Jesus, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always does his fairness. 24, let's go. It says what? He personally carried out sins in his body, he carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, by his stripes, we have been what? Healed. Now, now again, look, 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 at, look at this. Look at your outline. Submission, when properly understood and applied, replaces the pain and strife of rebellion, and it greatly increases our happiness when we learn how to replace a rebellious attitude with an attitude of submission. In other words, learning how to respect the authority that God has put in a place. So, so what are the five principles on submission? Number one, submission is duty to God. Everybody say it's duty to God. I mean, that's really the focus point. God is the one to whom we're submitting. Everybody say, God is the one to whom we're submitting. Submit is a military term that means to place yourself in order under established authority. It means to operate within the chain of command. Like, I ask you a question. How many of y'all have been guilty of operating outside the chain of command? At home, okay, at home, if you go and buy stuff, wife, and don't tell your husband about it and you hide it, that's outside of 
the chain of command. Not that you can't go and buy stuff. It's just that if you, that's different if y'all on the budget and y'all agree that we're going to have so, so much amount of money uh, to uh, for what we call our spend money. Yeah, we can do whatever you want to do. That money was, let's say it was $300, but you went and spent $700. And you know he don't check the statements and stuff, and you go and... He doesn't check the statements and stuff, so you go and buy it, hide it, and then pull it out one garment at a time. And, and unbeknownst to him, he can say, young man, it's, 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 it seems like we're kind of tight. I don't know what's going on here, but it seems like we're kind of tight. And baby, what, do, do you understand what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> How many of y'all know that if that, if that happens on the wife's side or the husband's side, that's, that's, that's rebellion. Because y'all have established authority. Y'all said, that here's how we're going to do it. And then, and then y'all came together to, to come up with the budget. But you stepped outside, you stepped outside that and, and then knowingly, amen, deceived the other person. Rebellion. Everybody say rebellion. Now, I ain't going to ask you how many of y'all have done that. But my point is this. If that's you, you're, you're operating in a spirit of rebellion. And God deals with us when we operate in a spirit of rebellion. Can I get a witness? So submission, again, is a military term to place yourself in order under established authority. It means to operate within the chain of command. Uh, you know, look back at verse number 13 in, in 1 Peter 2. Go back to verse number 13 with me right quick. It says, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king or as head of state. And it, keeps, it goes on down and, and names uh, other areas, employment, that type of thing. We got to respect that, that level of authority. The person in authority should never have to command authority. No husband should ever have to say, I'm in charge, because you're not. You, you're in position of authority, all right? And God holds you accountable, but being in charge implies that there's no co-laboring together. You are responsible. Hello? You are responsible, and you have the co-labor with you. And ultimately, God will come to you. But when it comes to how you do life together, it should be done in partnership. Can I get a witness? But whenever that partnership is upended, it puts us outside the will of God. All right? Uh, Peter, when he was dealing with this in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, don't miss this principle that he was applying. What he was saying is force submission from the top down it's not taught anywhere in the Bible. I, as a pastor, I can't make you submit to the authority of the church. And I'll never try to. But I, what I will do is, 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 is preach and teach the word of God. And then when I give that word to you, it's going to be up to you whether or not you're going to follow that word. Because I'm not going to run myself crazy trying to figure out if you're going to do what God's word says or not. It's up to you. Now, again, there are consequences as it relates to God, and there are consequences as it relates to amen, how far and what God would allow you to do within the confines of a local church. I said it before. How, how, how would it look like if, if I as a pastor or, or, or you as a minister, you as a, a teacher, amen, you only come when you teach to discipleship training? In other words, how can you minister to others if you're not willing to be taught yourself? That's, that's not good. How, 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 how would it look if I teach tithing and giving up offering, but I don't tithe? Now, I know some pastors who do that. They teach it, but they're not doing it. 
See, it's important for us to recognize that if I'm in a position of authority, I, that, that, that authority in that, in that position should be respected, but I don't have to demand it if I'm doing it right. Can I get a witness? No husband has to come on and say, listen, woman, I'm in charge. No, if, you, if you're doing it God's way, it's going to flow right. And if she's spiritually minded, amen, and, 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 and in tune with God's will, it'll be done the right way. So submission, guys, is duty to God first. The person in authority doesn't have to command submission. A leader receives that from those who are under his or her authority. Go to the next, next point. Talk about submission. Number two, submission is protection by God. It's protection, protection by God. God's will is for us to display lives of submission, not a rebellion against authority. When recognized authority makes a decision and you don't like the choices that they're making, God is very aware of how we respond to that. Because by, by, by show of hands, how many of us have disagreed with recognized authorities in our lives? Come on, we all have. God places people in our lives in different areas, different levels, whether it's our mayor, whether it's our, 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 our governor, our, our, our God knows our president, uh, uh, whether it's uh, a place of uh, employment, uh, whether it's in our home. There are times when our, the recognized and established authority makes a decision that we don't agree with. So automatically at that point in time, God is watching how we respond to that. And that's what happened in the book of Numbers. He saw how they responded to Moses and Aaron's leadership and he brought judgment against them. God watches how we respond. Even though people may not know uh, how you are feeling in your heart, guess what God knows? People, I grant it, people, granted, people in authority can be foolish. But God's desired response for us is do what's right. Look at neighbor and neighbor. We got to do what's right. See, are you, are you in a situation uh, where you're being treated unfairly? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But it, whether you are or whether you're not, do what's right. And Paul said, Peter said, you can silence the ignorance of foolish men by doing what's right and what you know God has told you to do. Now, are you in a situation where, where maybe, maybe uh, someone has turned against you in a relationship and injured you? What should you do? Do what's right and silence ignorant men. In all cases, do what you know is right according to God's word. Is everybody still with me today? Go to 1 Peter 5 with me right quick. 1 Peter 5, come on. Got to hurry. Because when we do that, we are walking under God's protection then. When we fail to do that, then we take ourselves outside of God's protection. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. And let's start our reading, if you will. Uh, let's go down to verse number uh, 5. Well, start at verse 1. Start at verse 1. 1 Peter 5, verse number 1. Watch this. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Verse 2. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it how? Willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Anybody that's in a, in a spiritual leadership position should always do it, not for any financial or physical benefit, but because you're trying to serve God and, and pour into the lives of people. Don't lord it over the people, assign to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Watch this, verse 4. This is what? And when the great shepherd appears, 
you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Verse 5. In the same way, everybody say same way. You younger men must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but what does he do? He favors the humble, those who walk in humility, guys. The people to whom Peter was writing this text were suffering Christians in the early church. They were being harshly treated more than most of us will ever experience in our lifetime. So submission to authority comes up quite often in First Peter. Amen. And in this context, what, he, what, what he's saying is uh, that, that he, he, he's looking for the person who's going to submit themselves to authority and be humble. Six and seven, real quickly, let's read. It says what? So humble yourselves. Come on, read together. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Who's going to lift you up in honor? God will. Verse verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God for what? He cares about you. He resists the proud. He resists those who are not submissive, but he gives more grace to those who walk in humility. So submission is protection by God. Third thing is submission has limits under God. Go to verse number 16. It has limits. Go back, go back with me to 1 Peter 2, verse number 16. Submission has limits. In other words, I'm not going to submit to somebody who tells me to do something I know is illegal or immoral. Are you with me? I, I, I can't submit to that because God never requires me to do that, okay? Watch what he says here. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Now, we are slaves to God. We should only be slaves to Christ Jesus. But when we are in under somebody's authority, if that person, a man, tells us to do something that goes against God's word, that's against the law, we are slaves to whom? Christ and not that man. You are slaves to Christ and not that husband who's trying to get you, get you to do something that's illegal or immoral. You are slaves to Christ and not that person on the job who's trying to tell you to cook the books so we can make it look better and not to pay more taxes. You're slaves to Christ first, not that preacher who tells you to do something that's immoral or illegal. Everybody with me? Obey God first and foremost. And when we do that, amen, we are, we are in a position where God can use us like he wants. So submission has its limits under God. When somebody's telling you to do something you know is, is wrong, you're under no obligation to do it. I tell you all the time, if I tell you to do something that's wrong as your pastor, don't you do it. I always challenge you to go and and properly look in the scripture, exegete the text, and find out if what I'm telling you is actually true. That's what the men of Berea did, guys, okay? So submission has its limit. Number four, submission is favor from God. Look at verse number 18. It's favor from God. When we learn how to walk in submission, we can obtain favor from God. You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Again, we're talking about employers, employees here. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and, and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. If you, if, and listen, I'm going back to this. If you've been paid to do a job, do that job. Because you, you, you never know who's watching what you're doing. First and foremost, God is watching. And my Bible tells me promotion comes from the Lord. And so even though I may be in a situation that's less than ideal, when I do what I've been assigned to do, God watches me. He's watching how I handle it. So do it, amen, because 
Favor comes from God when he knows he can trust us to be obedient to his word and walk in an attitude of submission. Lastly, submission is intimacy with God. Everybody say intimacy with God. God wants to have intimacy with us, and we can't be intimate with God if we won't submit our will to his will. How are you going to be intimate with God but don't do anything he says? Intimacy, you won't feel close to God if you won't submit your will to his word. Now, I know some of y'all sitting there right there, right now, listening to me and say, Pastor, you said a whole bunch of stuff today. Some of it I agree with, some of it I don't. What just goes to the book? Go back and read the scripture text because I told you before, obedience should never be a man, a man uh, held up by how we feel. Amen. Obedience, amen, should be done based off of principle, precept, and, and, and command in the scripture. Do the word and let your feelings catch up. Amen. amen? Look at 1 Peter 2, 21. Wait, right quick. Come on, let's go. 1 Peter 2, 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. 22. Come on, let's go. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Now, we know we're not perfect. We all have messed up along the way. Can, we get a witness? Can I get a witness? How many of y'all witnesses say, no, Pastor, you know, I know I'm not perfect. But not being perfect is not an excuse for wallowing in sin. Get out of the pig pen and get back to the father's house. Amen. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always, everybody say always. Always judges fairly. 24, 25. got to close out. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Once you were like sheep, who wanted to wait, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Submission is intimacy with God. When I submit to God's word, that means that I am, amen, I am in a place of intimacy with him because I am doing what he required for me to do. Child of God, a rebellious attitude will bring God's judgment, but an attitude of submission will find us walking in God's favor. I want you to know that God is watching everything that we do, everything that we do, and allow him to have his rightful preeminent place in your heart so that we can have the right attitude. Amen. Everybody say, no rebellion, but submission. Jesus gave his life for us out on Calvary so that we could have the opportunity to have an intimate relationship with the Father who created the heavens and earth. And he wants us to have that submissive attitude, amen, submitting to his word every day. Jesus gave his life on Calvary, hung, bled, and died, resurrected the third day morning so that we could have that power to live this submissive life, submitting to God's will. Will you, will you do that? Are you willing to say, I'm going to submit my will to God's will? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you for another divine opportunity.